This podcast is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. Visit the Tech Podcast Network at www.techpodcast.com. If it's tech, it's here. Welcome to Calcast, your creator national podcast. This is Gospel Gadget Podcast, Episode 50. Welcome, listeners, to Gospel Gadget Podcast. We want to show you what God is doing in terms of using technology to spread the gospel message all over the world and especially cross-culturally towards unreached peoples. Welcome to Gospel Gadget Podcast, where we look at the technology that God is using today to bring the gospel to those who've never heard of Jesus. In this podcast, we're interviewing a wonderful gal named Angela, who works with GMPI, that's Good News Productions International, and she travels around the world training people how to use their smartphone to do short gospel films, testimonies, other kinds of truth videos that can be used in evangelism either through Bluetooth one-on-one or on social media on the internet and there's lots of exciting things that she has to say about training people and the kinds of challenges that she comes up against but also the exciting potential of being able to equip literally an army of gospel film producers that are producing films in the language of that people group and other unreached people groups that they're reaching out to so listen to this exciting testimony I think you'll learn a lot as we did. One of your leaders, Nathaniel, said we awesome. needed to connect with you and yeah, we had oh, some yeah. calls with him uh, lately on content creation. But just taking off on what you said about training people, that's one of our big goals is training up indigenous people, yeah. movement leaders on the field. Uh, they don't have all this equipment. And we kind of got the, the vision when we were at a meeting at the Horizon a few months ago, and we were giving people these light stream units with all their our different films on it. And then this Fulani leader goes, but I want to put my films on it. And we go, Okay, so we looked at it and it was like really simple, two guys in a hut coming out and doing yeah. things. And we're like, oh, how'd you guys do that? Oh, just kind of on our phone, but we need some more help. So that's, yeah, that's good. kind of like... It was pretty good stuff. I mean, little short things, but it was really good. Yeah, we know what Dan Hendricks doing and, and we're learning some things from him. But that's really one of our strong hearts. It's not the only heart, but how do we help the people? And most of them won't speak English either. Mm-hmm. So how do we work it out so that they feel confident that they can use their smartphone and do training, discipleship, little two to three minute presentations, maybe on a felt need of forgiveness or marriage or, or testimonies. Um, yeah, or testimonies yeah. and how we can multiply. So that's like a strong component of what we're interested in. It's not the only thing with Create, but 
that's a strong. So I guess a couple of my questions would be, how does it work doing it cross language? Like you speak English, then you have to have translators. And then also how successful has it been in passing it on? Like people learned it. What do you think is the success rate after you've shared how many people are continuing it on? Um, yeah, okay. So the, the first question, I usually send out the materials to be translated by the regional center head um, and let him coordinate. So I have PowerPoints that I've created for every single lesson. There's videos to go along with it. There's handouts, etc. So I didn't send you all of that stuff because you know, it just really depends on what you're going to be using. So I just wanted you to get the overview with the student workbook. There's a trainer's workbook as well. So my dad actually was the one who translated the Lisu. He has nothing to do with GMPI. So it's kind of like finding your connection. And he started out by translating for me into Lisu. And I quickly discovered that I say something that might take 10 seconds and it takes him 30 seconds. So I switched to Thai pretty quickly and just let him fill in when I um, didn't quite have the words in Thai. It takes a lot longer is what I'm trying to say when you have a translator. Again, which is why I have five full days of training and why I can go a whole lot faster without. But I, I went to Ukraine and same thing. Even if you have a fast, quick translator, um, it's still can take that much time, especially when you have students who want to interrupt and ask questions. Every culture is different. Um, Indian cultures are really good about just sitting there and listening, and then you have to, like, stand up, give me some feedback. So um, it's definitely hard communicating, but you want to find a really good translator who who translates the spirit of what you're saying and not just what you're saying to help catch that that vision. So there's a lot of translating that goes on. Um, I tried it both ways with the PowerPoints. I sent all my PowerPoints to Ukraine and had them translate so that they can read that. That helped a lot in terms of speeding things up. I put a lot more information into the PowerPoints so they could be reading as well as listening to the translator because I have to speak in English first so she can translate. That gives them time to read. Um, when I did it in Thai, I didn't have it all translated. I barely got my dad to get the student manual um, translated. So I've done it both ways. And uh, it's really helpful to have the handouts translated as well and give that all to them in, in, a, in a manual so that they can take it home and read it back over. A lot of what I teach is in the manual itself. It, it just, it helps them to be able to go back over it when they go home because there's a lot of information to dump onto new brains in one week. You kind of have it worked in or are you thinking of this in the back of your mind the whole concept of training trainers so in other words when you go you're sort of intentional about trying to see who's there who would like to actually be a trainer also i mean we've done that with some seminars where we would tack on a day or maybe a half a day for people who want to be trainers and so we would just during that time give them some of the materials and show them how to you know use and how to present it and uh, of course they had to go through the whole week so that's something we want to really be working into the training that we do is that it's really focused on being intentional about training trainers so when i first did this they gmpi invited me to india and they had a training of the trainers and to be honest it really wasn't much in terms of what they actually they were trying to to hit like the main points that they wanted us to focus on with the groups like really emphasize personas being intentional with what you train them to create and having videos in play that could be used during a natural disaster or, or crisis or something that like you know when COVID happened they already had a video in place that talked about like during trials and tribulation and 
there's certain key things to kind of train your your teams to create and have ready and to to develop strategic personas. And so when you're teaching anyone, whether it's the students or the trainers, having them really keep in mind who they're creating for and create one one type of video that reaches this audience, another type of video that reaches this audience. You know, and we're talking like, you know, teenage boys is going to be very different from adult women. So you're really developing and whether, you know, they're Indian or they're Chinese, it's totally different cultures. So getting that in place. So secondly, anything I do for GMPI, um, I send, like I said, I send the materials to be translated to their key person over there that wants to be a trainer in the future. And so they are going through the whole material, translating it themselves already. So they're getting very familiar with material. Then they are my translator during the, the whole thing. So they're repeating everything that I'm saying. They're getting involved with the students and they're getting one of my feedbacks with the students. They're hearing all of it. And I, um, my particular strategy is that I have to go there and teach that twice with that same person and then they can teach it from then on. Uh, however, you know, it can be very different if someone is already familiar with video um, and they just kind of want to sit in for the whole session that I'm t- teaching, then I think they'd be fine to teach it after that. It's just, it's been a different strategy in each country that I've, that I've gone to. And the Lee Su one I did, I didn't have anyone I was training. Everyone, like my translator was my dad. But um, the, each of the pastors that was there, their hope and intent was that they could go back and teach it to some of their other pastors. So it was a bunch of the students at the Bible school that were learning this. And you asked me earlier, and I didn't quite answer it. They, uh, I've seen a lot of them. I've, um, I'll friend them on Messenger. I don't friend a lot of people. I've learned I can't friend people on Facebook because it just gets overwhelming. I started out as a personal account, and it just so I find that I'll I'll message you, messenger you, but I don't necessarily have anyone on Facebook. I have to like draw a line somewhere um, because you have all kinds of walks of life and you just really don't know what's anyways that's my barrier so they will send me through messenger some of their videos and stuff and i I, you know i've watched their interviews and i give them they ask me for feedback and you know everyone has google translate especially if it's thai i can speak right into it into thai and it'll type it in thai for me because i'm not so good at my typing in thai so i've had workarounds for follow-up um, and I would say it's probably about 50-50. Out of the 20 from Burma, we had nine return for, for the second training. Um, I haven't done a second training with Elisa yet, but I, they keep asking me. I have a bunch of obligations this year. I plan to go more full-time next year, trying to get a bunch of videos done. I, and COVID has pushed several of those trainings back, so I'm not sure if I'm even going to get all those done. Yeah. But, um, so about how many seminars have you done? I would say about 10. I did the EMDC two years ago. I was going to do the EMDC this year. I've done three trainings in Burma, two in Ukraine, one here in Thailand, and I had uh, two more lined up to do this year. So I don't know how many is that. Eight, eight, ten, somewhere in there. You're listening to Gospel Gadget Podcast. Visit our website at godnetworknews.com. I haven't done... What's your average class? Average class is 20 students. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, the smaller, the smaller, the better. Like, and if I get up to 10 students, I can do more. When it's 20, it's really hard to get through every one of them. That's why I usually um, put them in groups or teams. It just cuts down the amount of videos being produced to be able to focus in on my feedback. But I do make everyone edit because they all need to learn skills. And so I, I make sure I take that time 
to go through that with all of them. So you Angela. said you were going to do MDC this year with mobile training? Which, she was going to do it. But I thought Tom Kazawin was doing that. Were you doing something different? Uh, there's two, I believe there's two different tracks. I was doing the video track, and apparently there was a mobile training track as well, but oh, I wasn't doing right. it. Right. I was yeah. in the same room with Darren Dunn that we taught two years ago that Tom Subwood used to, yeah. to teach every, every year. 50 students two years ago, but we had four trainers to divide out with that many students. And there was, I don't know, 20 some countries represented in that room. So that was the biggest class I think we've ever taught. But again, we had four trainers and we alternated. Yeah, that's great. I think Keegan had a question. Yeah, Angela, I, in terms of the ratio, like uh, looking through your student workbook, some of it is technical in nature. So where the buttons, how to edit, that sort of thing. And then a whole lot of it is about developing team, about story, uh, about um, strategic, the, the strategies involved, how, about how long do you spend on each of those sections? So how much is it just teaching them all the buttons and how much is it talking about strategy and story development and personas? Yeah, um, I usually get through about four lessons a day. So I kind of do um, two uh, hour, and, hour and 15 minutes to hour and 30 minutes per, I wouldn't say per lesson because some of them are like the introduction and session one, um, I try to get through all of that in the morning. And then I, I go into research development. I try to get through all of that day one. All of the tedious stuff kind of happens in day one. Day two is more lesson four through six. And it's more storytelling, narrative arc, rules of composition and framing. So you're getting more into the visual stuff in the second day, audio equipment, all of that kind of stuff, setting up the interview, uh, lighting, set up all of that kind of thing. Like I said, usually each section is about an hour and 15 minutes and I, I try to break it up with, have everyone arrive at nine, so it's not too too rushed and we have a mid-morning 15 minute break, we have another session, we have lunch, we have another session, we have a break, we have another session and, and everyone's usually leaving by 4.30 because it is a lot of information, you know, that you're putting down the throat. So I don't want to like have them going super late or showing up super early, get a good night's sleep give them some kind of homework to do so that they're thinking about it and show up the next day. And so I've had, I've had like thoughts about switching things around, but this, this way really seems to work. It lays the brain work day one, it lays the creative work day two. And then by day three, they're actually doing it. And I do that in steps too. It allows them to get their hands on the camera, go actually film something, which is usually the interview. And there's always technical difficulties. There's always those certain people that have to go shoot it again because the audio didn't work, whatever reason. So I, that kind of is built into it as well. And then, you know, then I give them their first lesson in editing so it's not too overwhelming. And then they break that down for B-roll. And by then, they're inspired because they've already done it. They've gotten over the fear of handling it, filming it. And then the B-roll gets a lot more creative. And then I come back in and teach them a little bit more tedious details in terms of, cutting it, coloring it, music. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. So in general, what um, what have you found the people, what have you found your students be most interested in? Is it the technical side or is it a lot of that um, story creation or strategy side? It's always day two. Right. The creative, it's always more interesting. The, the reason people are there are to make movies. That's why I usually try to, while they're, they're kind of like, Ooh, what's this about? I get in the boring stuff first <laughs> and I'm like, Hey guys, tomorrow is the fun stuff, you know, because I don't know, it just seems to work that way because you have to get in the boring stuff because you can't just, if you set people loose 
they're not going to create something that's going to be impactful or, you know, change people. And I really emphasize that follow-up, like creating a dialogue with your films, because your goal is to make discipleship through your media. It's not just to put something out there and, and forget about it, because you want people to engage with you. Hey, what's this about? And come to know Christ is kind of, is the goal. That's kind of my philosophy behind it. You also met, you mentioned giving them like assignments or homework. You also said that they were finishing at five. So what kind of assignment and homework are you, are you giving? Um, yeah, I, I have a breakdown. I went way into more detail um, on level two in terms of homework assignments, but there's like a project planning worksheet and survey that I have people plan out. And it's like a 12 step thing where they have to identify like um, I take them through an exercise where they identify like problems, problem areas in their communities. It could be something social, emotional, economical, political, something that gets people, their brains, uh, like things that people are passionate about, I guess is what I should say, that people would be interested in clicking on. And, and so, and then it's like taking them through the steps of figuring out what is your demographic? What is that age group? What is um, like maybe the questions you would ask in a survey style is what they teach in GMPI is actually going out and asking the questions based on what you think are the issues. You might find out those aren't actually the issues. They're in your own head and like Christian worldview, but that might not be what people actually care about. So it's, it's really helping them to identify that. So I have them go through, uh, we talk about it in the class and then they have to pick one and fill out this worksheet just to have an exercise. I don't necessarily make them go do the surveys. There's not really enough time for that, but that is, it's, it's giving them an outline that they can go back home and use that style to create like for their real personas in the real world later. So that's kind of what I do on day one. Day two, I make them all um, try to film something on their camera so that they have opened it up and they've gone through the settings and they've filmed something and they have to come back the next day and show me um, some composition, maybe a couple of photographs I made them take that follow like the rule of thirds or fill the frame or not too much header, just a couple of different just to, they can show me that they did it. And I have this little device. It's like a little Wi-Fi router, but it's not the internet. And they just connect to that and upload their stuff there so I can just kind of scan through and, and see it. That works pretty well. There's always that one or two cell phones that won't connect to it. So I always have multiple ways. I have a little device that has multiple different styles of card readers so they can bring their little card to me and stick it in. I also have, you know, my cable that they can just plug their phone right in. I try to avoid that one as much as possible because I don't know how viruses work these days, but you know, connect the computer. <laughs> um, so there's there's multiple ways to get some of that. And then obviously by day three, they're doing the interviews. They're doing the B-roll. So it's really more like a day one and a day two just to kind of give them something to apply what they learned that day. It's not too overwhelming because the goal is just let it sink and soak and get a good night's sleep and come back the next day fresh. Yeah, because that was a follow-up question that I had, which I think was really the thing that Jack up I wanted to ask coming out of reading it, which is how do you use this document? Like, well, who is this for? Like, it says student workbooks, so it's obviously for students and not for the trainers, but how do you use it? Do you give it out the first day? Are you, are you going through it every day? Like, how are you using this document that you sent us? Yeah, the student manual, I, I have the, whoever's arranging it, print one for every student. So they get that day one um, when, they, when they show up. And so as I'm teaching it, they can flip through it because it has similar photographs that are up on the display. I have a lot more that I've built into the PowerPoints because it was this really old blue gradient. I redid it, white space. <laughs> and um, 
so it doesn't there's a lot of stuff that follows the student thing but i also have you know videos that i show them etc so it gives them a place to write notes into it as well um if they want to look ahead you know that's excellent um the handouts and stuff i give them right before i plan for them to use it i have them printed ahead of time you know shot lists storyboards anything that i i'm going to give them a handout and i usually always give them an extra so that one can be saved that they can take home and copy for future use and one that they can actually do the exercise in class so i, I try to most of the handouts aren't necessarily in the book some of them are but that that allows them to kind of slip that into their booklet and have something to work with If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to help us continue to bring exciting stories fresh from the field. Visit our website at godnetworknews.com and select the PayPal link on the right side of the page or consider becoming a Patreon partner to receive access to more valuable materials exclusive to our members.